It's a Wednesday night on Victoria Island, Lagos, Nigeria, and we're at Industry Night. Industry Night is a weekly showcase where up-and-coming artists perform, hoping for overnight success, hoping to blow, as they say back home in Lagos. Three stylish young men, LAX, YC and Dreamo, prance across the stage, singing and dancing, Millie rocking and dabbing. They're surrounded by a circle of photographers with camera lights flashing everywhere. And back at the bar, Men in suits watch quietly while young women in short skirts stand close to the stage. The music is obviously influenced by American hip-hop, but the vibe and the hook is in Yoruba and the sound is unmistakably Nigerian. I'm Shiji sitting in for Georges Coline and this is Lagos and the rise of Nigerian Afrobeats on Afropop Worldwide from PRI Public Radio International. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on Timorilla now. I'm at Lego. Say she go follow me. Down to my place, come. But is this what they call Afrobeats now? I thought that was more like this. Or even maybe this. Let's go today. Some people, myself included, really hate the term Afrobeats, <laughs> derived from Fela Kuti's Afrobeat, and apparently coined by DJ Abranti in London to describe the mix of urban sounds coming out of Africa as a whole, particularly Nigeria and Ghana. But we're going to use that term in this program, and here's why. In order not to start creating names up and down, Afrobeats just keeps it plain and simple. African beats. <laughs> Let's leave it there like that. Even if it's R&B, African style, it's Afrobeats. If it's that Nigerian style. So if Afrobeats is good enough for Two Baba, the artist formerly known as Two Face, one of the people who pioneered the new Nigerian sound, then it's good enough for us. But what is Afrobeats, musically speaking? I don't take Afrobeat to be a pattern. I think it should be a vibe. You know, there are some songs you just listen to and you get that Afrobeat vibe. What you hear is the speed of Nigeria. You can feel the vibe, the energy, the pace at which Lagosians move. And also, there's the language. Now, the language is not the tongue, the mother tongue. No, it's not the tongue. It's the spirit. I, I like to say the audio spirit of Nigerians. If I go anywhere else in the world and I hear somebody say, eh he's not speaking the language, but I know that that's a Nigerian. So it's that. That is the soul. That is the, that is the feel. You know, when you hear that sound, that energy, any artist can be on it and have a hit record. Afrobeat as a term is the most um, is the most commercial name that we can give to it, right? Even Nigerians don't even have a name for what our music is, but you know it when you hear it because its influences are too wide. Well, according to renowned music video producer Clarence Peters, Afrobeats itself is nothing new. It's a continuation of Nigerian popular music. Now, it's very important to understand that because Fuji music and Juju music is what's given birth to what you have in Nigerian music now. People seem, always seem to believe that it's Fela, hence why they call it Afrobeats. Right, because there's nothing else. He was the biggest Nigerian export that, that they had, right? But the music in itself is a fusion of a lot of these different genres 
and Fellas Afrobeat is a part of it. But the cool thing about it is the fact that from the 70s and from the 80s, Nigerians have already been tinkering about take, taking their local sounds and fusing it with the popular music of the day. So we've become kind of good at it without losing our identity, without losing the identity of the music in itself, right? And it was always about who did it the most, who's most successful at the fusion was the rave of the moment at the time. That's what's given birth to what you hear now. The Afrobeats that we talk about right now, you can link that to Nigeria. You understand, once you hear it, you feel like, oh, this sounds like, you know, this is Nigeria. It might have come from some other West African country or some other place, but we define what the African sound is right now. Nigeria defines the African sound, says cool DJ Jimmy Jet. And it's true that globally, the sound of Lagos is actually moving the world. And you have artists like Davido and WizKids who are now signing up with multinational record labels and collaborating with top international artists. They're also getting huge endorsement deals and touring the world. But it wasn't always this way. And to understand how the whole Afrobeat scene came to be, we need to go way back. Without, you know, sounding braggadocious, you know, when people say Afrobeats or Nigerian music, pretty much I'm part of the whole process of creation. Jimmy Jett is one of the people who actually helped shape this new Nigerian sound. But when he began his career in the late 80s, the Nigerian music industry was in sad decline. You know, the oil money of the 70s was turning into a hangover of corrupt military governments and the economy was collapsing. And this, of course, hurt the music industry. I got into DJing without being able to play Nigerian music because the Nigerian music that existed at that time were predominantly very indigenous, you know, like they were not for the youths, you know, they were more traditional, like Juju, you know, Fuji, um, I Life, Reggae, you know. Like many young Nigerians of his own generation, Jimmy Jett related more to the fresh sounds of hip-hop and R&B coming out of the United States. So Jimmy Jett decided to create his own platform to spin sounds straight from the US and to make a space for local talent to shine. I knew that there were a lot of people like me rapping and singing, guys that I've known from the hood at that time. And then we started doing this um, event called The Roadblock, whereby we just blocked the street, put stage and put sound, you know, and whatever genre of music you want to do, you at least have that 5,000 people to perform to. Jimmy Jat's roadblock parties in Obalinde brought two worlds together. On the one hand, you had the young, internationally educated, moneyed elite who lived on the island, the island folk, we call them. And then on the other hand, you had aspiring artists from the mainland, a sprawling maze of working class and poor neighborhoods. And that event led to the creation of the first set of uh, independent record labels, which is what we have right now. You know, I, um, a record label like Storm, for instance, came off that. You know, the first artist signed to Storm was Virginia and Pretty. It was facilitated within that space, you know, because the truth is, there's no way boys like OBA, for instance, were ever going to meet Junior and Pretty if it wasn't for nobody in the connect. When Eaton educated Obi Asika signed Junior and Pretty, two young guys living in Suru Liri, for 5,000 Naira in 1989, the movement began. Monica was so big, I think a lot of people that I were not even born at that time could even relate with the song right now. And from there, a lot of people felt like, no, if this can be done, then we might as well take charge of it. And it started growing from there. And that's how, as far as I'm concerned, this whole movement was created. Everybody waited there to talk to his boyfriend. I never come look up, come look my girlfriend. The first lady tell him, boyfriend, say, Pass me the sugar. Sugar. Eh? The second lady can't tell him boyfriend, say, Pass me the honey. Honey. Eh? Monica said, shoot me, can't tell me, say, Pass me the milk. 
That was Monica from Junior and Pretty, the first Nigerian hip-hop artist to have a nationwide hit in 1991. This is Lagos and the rise of Nigerian Afrobeats on Afropop Worldwide. Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the National Endowment for the Arts. And you look back and say that song eventually reached millions of people or that album. But then for you to even get your music from from the island to the mainland is a tough order because you don't have that media support. For you to get it out of Lagos to the next city out of Lagos, you know, then we were selling tapes from the trunk of our cars. Oh, did I sell our cars? I didn't even have cars. <laughs> car then. So, but somewhere we were selling, you know, from the trunk of cars, you know, just moving around. I, I went pretty much everywhere selling tapes. At a time when the internet wasn't, you know, there wasn't any internet access, the radio stations were all government run so that you don't go near them because they don't understand what you're saying. There wasn't any media support, and we, we did that, and it was quite successful. If you look at the last 50 years of Nigerian history, most of it has been dominated by military rule, military authorities. There's been that fear. The military have always been very guarded about allowing media to be controlled by the private sector. That's Olisa Dibwa, program director of Beats FM, one of the most prominent private radio stations in Lagos today. These days, there are hundreds of private stations on Nigerian airwaves. But in the 90s, it was a completely different story. Back then, yeah, there were government-owned stations, really. But ironically, it was actually a military ruler, Babangida, who gave out the first private licenses. It was an empty ground. It was because REPA was the first approved radio license after the federal and state government-owned stations. REPA is the first independently controlled radio. In 1994, Kenyo Gungbe and his partner, D1, came on as broadcasters for Power, owned by Raymond Dopesi. We came on with a blast. In six months, the station was number one. When Ray Power started, we started with all American music. All American brand new music is out. We're talking about days without internet. It's out, somebody's bringing it, somebody's mailing it, somebody is sending it. Never judge a book by the cover. Discover the soul brother with the mechadon, working brunette to blonde. How many Edison con when I respond in full black? What us heaven to Vernon villains back to back? But Kenny's boss insisted that they play Nigerian music. Find one singular, take that one and play the music every second, every minute to encourage others, then they will bring the music to you. And that was how we got to meet Remedies. We recorded them here. The first single, Mio Shakomo, Mio Desingi, Padimi, Shayo Lawai. We recorded the song at the radio station here and we put the song on a CD here and we started playing the song. Legendary Idris Abdukarim, Hafra Ipop, Remedies, Kenny's, The Beginning. Idris grew up in Kano, which as we heard on our recent program, Hip Deep in Northern Nigeria. Kano is a major hub of hip-hop in Nigeria. The first person I saw rapping was Dr. Fresh, LD Extra Large, Kasmo B, Make It Free, MC Garba. I said, all these dudes in, not in the, from the Southwest, North, North is crazy about hip-hop. In Lagos, Idris joined Eddie Montana and Tony Tatuila to form The Remedies. He remembers the moment Kenny first played their song, Shakomo, on the air in December 1997. Then all of a sudden it was like, Damn, this is going on radio right now. This is coming from the, he didn't know the name of the group. So he was like, what's the name? So I didn't know what to say because we didn't even have a name as a group. 
I was called Mr. Remedy then, so I was like, The Remedies. I said, Okay, yeah, this is The Remedies, Mio Shakomo. And that was it. My crew, Tony and Eddie, left um, Surulere, left um, Ikeja, and it was like, Hey, they all came to Ripa. I was like, What's going on? What's going on? And that was the revolution that brought this followership that is called New Hip Hop Ed from the Don Jazzy to P Square to the band to all of them. It's an individual effort that Kenny Ogunbe pushed to become what it is today. You know what I'm saying? So the second group that followed up with this beautiful opportunity was Plantation Boys. So uh, Two-Face and uh, Blackface. Hey, what's up, my people, man? My name is Innocent Idibia. They call me Two-Face Idibia. Now they call me Tubaba. The Baba is always like a sign of respect, like, you know, somebody that has been there and done that, you know. Tu Baba is one of the most respected Nigerian artists today. But it wasn't always that way. Um, it wasn't easy. It, it, you know, I mean, it started like very, very humble beginnings. It was rough. It was tight. Back then, man, Nigerian music was like, I mean, if you, if you, if you want to do music, people look at you like, uh, no, no future ambition. No, you know, music was like a curse. Like, if you want to go into music, it was like no, no parent would want their child. You want, you want, you want to be a musician, Abi? Then I bet go, go, go read your book when you turn to doctor or engineer or, you know. I bet, don't they do this kind of thing? You know, that time, uh, to do music be like taboo now. You understand? But, you know, we didn't think that way. You know, we just went ahead. No, nothing comes easy. It's better to try and not to try it all. Sing along, When the Remedies toured the country in 1998, Plantation Boys won an audition and they were selected to perform as the opening act. Our first big break was when they did a, a tour across Nigeria. So we performed across 30 cities in Nigeria and um, that's our first pay, major paycheck as well, you know. That was in 1998. That's where the main revolution started for us, you know. Um, but it was not easy. It was, you know, it was, I mean, no money, no, no backup. Yo, K, kick it on a wand. Yo, K, kick it on a wand. Jack, gonna make you jack. Gonna make you jack. Gonna make you jack. Oh, baby. There's this artist called Wed MC. And uh, she was big, you know. And we used to even do backup singing for her back in the day. This time I want to kick it to the club. Time to get mentally long the sense that this jam is yours. It's not right to swing feet, kick it and dope rhyme smoking. I meant to make it that's not. I'm not joking, fellas, Jack and Sweet ladies, shake your thing. Listen close to the funky lyrics I fling. Me and my posse both mid business. It's on body, so get with us. Word MC, the first female rap star in Nigeria, was actually born in the UK, but launched her career in Nigeria. This started a trend that continues today. For example, in the late 90s, Sheisho Demo, who was born in Lagos but raised in DC, brought his own brand of smooth Afro R&B back to Lagos. So I spoke to one of my cousins and said, why don't you just bring it to Nigeria? Let's just release it. Within a week, the song was a hit. I was one of the people that started that style of fusing, especially maybe a, a Yoruba hook or Igbo hook with an English verse or vice versa. It was something I wanted to do. And I think my album was one of the first, it actually was, to fuse it and do it successfully. And that was why it was so such a huge deal that till today, you know, I meet Two Face and Divine, they're like, wow, boss. You know, it's a good feeling, you know? Yeah, it's a great feeling. In 1999, Kenny Ogungbe formed the record label, Kenny's Music, and he signed Tony Tatuila, who had just been kicked out of the remedies. So we come back from tour, Tony hit the airwaves with Omode Meta and Sherry. Omode Meta and Sherry. That song, Omode Meta, which means three kids, 
featured Two-Face and Blackface of the Plantation Boys, and it described the breakup of the Remedies. According to Idris, there was actually tension, but the controversy was somewhat staged. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, saying that... <laughs> so the other one wants to rap, the other one wants to sing. I'm told the titular, like, what do you guys want me to do? You don't want to give me a part? Okay, no problem, I'm on my own. And the solo career pays off for him. You don't hit my car. I still don't bash my car. In one of his songs called You Don't Hit My Car, he called one of the ex-governor of Lagos State that you hit my car and he made so much money from that. Do you understand? So he created a career for himself. When Idris left the Remedies in 2002, he also signed with Kenny's Music and started mixing hip-hop with dance beats. But even as they hustled to promote the new music, tastemakers like Kenny Ogunbe and DJ Jimmy Jat were still struggling to convince the Nigerian public to fully embrace Nigerian artists. You know, at that time, I think a lot of um, young Nigerians were very guilty of not being proudly Nigerian. There are so much Western influence that you feel like anything Nigerian was, you know, substandard. You know, and so it wasn't, for me as a DJ in those initial days, if you play a Nigerian song at a Nigerian gig, people are going to come at you and say, what's going on, man? What's that? And as you can imagine, for the artists themselves, it was even tougher. Hip-hop wasn't really in the limelight then. We were like pioneers of some sort because we were the ones trying to convince the people to, you know, put us on the playlist. I'll say, yo, one, two, three, come on! Sorry to the left, girl, Judy to the right, girl, Sonny. Soundsoul Tam came up around the same time as Tu Baba, but his older brother Baba D had already been around. He was always walking against the tides, trying to, you know, let people understand that if they love um, the R. Kelly's, the SWV's, the Redman's, they play the music over here. So why can't you have local content in the same genre? So that's what we were doing. People gradually started demanding for Nigerian music, demanding for Nigerian hip-hop music. And you know, they put a tag to it, it's Afro hip-hop. Gradually, they started playing our music on the radio, and then in the clubs, because it was, it now became appealing to the generation that was on ground. They now had something to relate with, you understand, which was not foreign, you know, and which was equally as good as the foreign stuff they've been hearing. So they welcomed it with wide open arms, you know. The revolution is, is mad now, you know, it's mad now. Fast forward to 2004, Kenny's music was now the biggest label in Nigeria and Tubaba was about to change Nigerian music forever. I wake up in the morning and I stretch out my feet. Say I thank you prayer, then I brush up my teeth. A little exercise and then I grab something to eat. Put on a piece of cloth and I step out into the street. I, I decided to go solo in 2004. It was just my whole mind, body and spirit just told me like, yo, dude, do this thing. And I went for it. The album came out and it was a huge success. It was mad, you know. The rest, like they say, is history now. They just finished producing African coin. They brought it to me. I said, this song is going on air right now. They were perplexed. They couldn't say anything. I said, this song, African Coin, is going on air right now. Just like the sun lights up the earth, it lights up my life. The only one I ever see with a smile so bright. I put the song on air. People loved it. It's the greatest song ever out of Nigeria in the new scheme of things. 
African Queen was the first major breakthrough for the new Nigerian music. That song became a hit across the continent and beyond. After traveling all over the world, the song was accepted. Then MTV came to Africa. They picked African Queen as the first song ever to be played on MTV Africa. After that, MTV Europe Music Awards, they nominated Two-Face as an artist of the year from the entire African continent. He won the award. He won all awards. I mean, I hoped for it to be like that. You know, it was surreal. It was, it was crazy. I mean, it felt good. At the same time, it became like, okay, okay. Now I've gotten myself into trouble. Now I have to, I have to meet up. I have to, you understand that pressure of when you have a first successful album, you know, whatever you want to do next to be judged on that, you know, pedestal. And so not only Two Baba, but his peers and all the up and coming Nigerian artists began to feel the pressure. Every artist looked at him and they pray that Almighty God that did Two Faces Award, that did Two Faces Career, will please come and do mine. Everybody wanted to be like Two Baba. That's what led to the expansion. And again, the federal government granted more licenses for radio stations, which they have access to media, not just Ray Power, Rhythm, or Cool FM. There are stations that they play African music 24 hours. And again, that also aided the establishment, the acceptability of African music, of Nigerian music in Nigeria. Because the acceptability started in Nigeria first. Before it went outside Nigeria, before it got on TV, before it got on satellite TV, before it got to South Africa, Ghana, everywhere around the world. That's what is now today Afrobeat. The next big wave came from abroad in the form of a producer-artist duo that will set a new standard for Nigerian music. The Banjo and Don Jazzy came in at the right time. There was already a renaissance of Nigerian popular music, you know, people identifying more with local content, you know, and not looking abroad. And then you have these two smart guys from the UK, because I remember meeting them, and they were basically trying to hustle their music in Europe, you know. But it wasn't quite working. Adebantu Agbero International, journalist, promoter, and leader of the band, Bantu, picks up the story. So what both of them now decided to do was say, okay, let's try our hands on Nigeria and then raised a bit of cash, did a couple of videos in the UK, which is a formula a lot of us have tried and tested and which actually worked and still works to a certain degree. Even if you're a no-name, once you do a quality product, a video and an audio production outside Nigeria, but with a content that is geared towards a Nigerian audience, the people will embrace it. Don Jazzy and Dibanj returned to Nigeria in 2004 and dropped a single with a video, Tongolo. This was followed by a full album, No Long Thing, in 2005. 2005, the band is blowing up and it goes all the way. He kind of like connected the dots very fast and he was always very spontaneous. He, he, he's just very street smart and so, so he, he quickly understood, okay, with this popularity and with the way people are connecting with this, we can make this big. So him and Don Jazzy literally pushed everything together. Had one car, I remember, together. They were like yin and yang, lived together like forever. Then they set up their own label. They founded the label More Hits and replicated the success for a number of artists, including Dr. Sid and Wan Deco, who are still popular today. Baby, can you tell me why? What was also important that I need to mention was Don Jazzy changed the whole production game. Don Jazzy got a start as a live musician 
on the Nigerian wedding circuit in the UK. And he also picked up a number of uh, studio production skills, working alongside a producer called Skills. So the exposure that Don Jazzy had in the UK in terms of production and the know-how, he now brought back. Brought back his gear, everything, sat down here and produced. And the Banji's production was just way ahead of everyone's. It was just, I, I would almost say worlds apart. If you listen to them, you're like, wow, this is different. You listen to it in the club and it's banging. You know, they're pushing it to the limits, you know. And that's what made it also so successful. By now, the Nigerian audience was completely on board with the new sound and DJs were now proudly spinning Nigerian music in the clubs. It had now moved completely to Nigerian music, where about 95% of the music in the club is Nigerian. And so on the heel of uh, Dibanj and Donjazi's success, the local scene began to blow up. And at the same time, social media became popular among kids and others in Nigeria. So it was an absolute game changer on all fronts, you know. They had wider reach, they were asking for more money, the endorsement deals, the figures were crazy. Dibanj had a formula and everybody was trying to copy his formula. He was in the winning team and he was making the money and everyone was trying to replicate his formula. P-Square, the twin brother duo of Peter and Paul Okoye, were next to achieve international success. The story just, it just took off. The whole of Africa just connected. The same thing with Dibanj, but they were on another level, you know, and Akon just like, oh, okay, I see something happening here. The Senegalese-American singer Akon signed P-Square to his label. He also featured on the remix of the hit. I don't mind if you chuck my money. Square and the band seemed to be neck and neck in a race to cross over to the UK and the American market. Because once the band featured um, Snoop Dogg, then, then people knew, okay, this is a game changer. Him actually bringing him on his remix, featuring him on the video, you know, it was something that was consciously done, you know, so it wasn't them compromising their sound. It was actually Snoop coming to them on their own terms, you know, which was which was a game changer. Break the bank, take the girl, travel all around the world. This is life, no, this is love. Have a drink, now live it up. Break it down, hold it up, pass it And then in 2012, the band dropped Oliver, Oliver, Oliver Twist. A mega hit that reached number two on the UK R&B charts and still lights up dance floors all around the world. now signed the band to his good music label and he appeared in the video for Oliver Twist. So he began to feel like the band was maybe about to cross over in the US market for real. But then he and Don Jazzy split. The band formed DB Music and signed a partnership deal with Sony. And Don Jazzy took the rest of the More Hits family to found Maven Records. Meanwhile, back in Lagos. This is the remix. <laughs> And then you have another guy who came into the mix from the States called Banky W. So he set up his label, started doing his videos, moved from being international to being more local always kept on tweaking his songs his formula you know and then kind of got it right and had a couple of hits and then 
I mean, he just went major league when he signed an unknown artist called Wizkid. So Banky saw what nobody else saw. Banky's like, this kid is hot, I'm signing him. And then before you knew it, Wiz was just blowing up. And Banky was laughing all the way to the bank because he had signed him, he had, and, and the paperwork was tight. We're talking publishing, we're talking production, everything. Are you gonna dance you if I show you my money? Are you gonna dance you if I show you the way? Are you gonna dance you if I show you my pockets? Are you gonna dance you if I show you my wallet? So wait, 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 wait. What about the band? Wasn't he supposed to be on top? Where was he? DJ Jimmy Jett picks up on the story. Yeah, I mean, the band is my boy, and I told him, I think for some reason, you know, I knew it was good intentions in terms of, okay, let me take, I've, I've conquered Nigeria. Let me take it across Africa. I've conquered Africa. Let me take it to the world. And while he was trying to take it to the world, he was absent here. And before he knew it, David O, whiskey. Everybody just stepped into that space. And then, oh, now I'm trying to take it to the world. The world ain't ready. Let me go back home. Come back home. Kids are all over the place. The band's Nigerian fans had moved on. In 2016, the band was dropped from Kanye's label without ever releasing a record. And in 2017, he released a new album on his own label in Nigeria. But he hasn't really recovered his popularity since it split with Don Jazzy. My name is Dakmo. They know me as the band. From JJC for one night squad to Mohits. The love was crazy. Even Jane and can say. Story, story like two face. Nobody holds. So you see, the band's story illustrates just how fast the Nigerian music scene is moving and how fickle the fans can be. You go off for too long, you're absent, your space is taken. If you leave that space, by the time you come back, your daughter or your, or your son will be in that space. <laughs> you know, so Now the lesson people learn from the band situation is that while you're chasing that, you must always hold it down here. So you'll find a David O, you know, signing with Sony, with um, Whiskey signing with Sony, but they come here and still make sure they do, you know, slight work constantly. If it's playing shows, if it's, you know, collaborating with some other own base artist, or, you know, constantly you must put something there. In order to stay relevant in the contemporary scene in Nigeria, it all depends on your outputs. You have to stay relevant if you want to make the money, if you want to be booked, if you want a situation where you have the endorsement deals, because they'll be like, well, you haven't had a heat hit in six months. So why are you charging this amount of money? And your, 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 your market value is determined by your latest hit. The music doesn't sell here. People don't make money from the music itself. They make money from performing the music. So people are looking forward to the next wedding this weekend. They're looking forward to the next birthday party. They're hoping this senator or this politician is going to have a party for his kids. In December alone, some artists must have performed like 60 times, doing two shows every day. You must talk, you must talk. If you hustle Well, obviously, we're moving quickly through years of dance history, but that pretty much brings us right up to the present with WizKid's latest album, Out on Sony, featuring collaborations with Drake. After the break, we'll talk music videos, money and identity. We'll also go live at Industry Night and much more. Visit our website for exclusive interviews, playlists and more. I'm Shiji and you're listening to Lagos and the rise of Nigerian Afrobeats on Afropop Worldwide from PRI Public Radio International. Big time for 
Top Nigerian artists today are still playing the delicate game, you know, trying to balance local appeal while reaching for that elusive international crossover. WizKid's history with the Canadian superstar Drake has drawn more than a few comparisons to Diban and Kanye. up in drama to free my mind jealous people around me i need to change my life i just turn colder every time i try come closer from whiskey's 2017 album songs from the other side it's their third collaboration but as it were drake has yet to appear in a video or perform live with whiskey and not everyone is impressed they didn't get that dread for free they paid for it and this dude will not perform any of the song with you on stage for the rest of his life. Idris Abdul Karim was talking about the band, but not only the band. I'm, not, I'm talking about everybody that did duets. Show me one of the performances that they performed together on stage. <laughs> I mean, see the artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Artists. Okay. yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> Whilst we can't confirm that Dibanj actually paid for his duets, David, on the other hand, bragged in an interview that he paid American rapper Meek Mill $200,000 for his collaboration on Fans Me. International doesn't define us, we define what's international. So if we wait for America to tell us, all right, you guys are there, then we will wait forever. But when we say to ourselves, we are international, screw what anyone else says. We consume our material and it is the best material in the world. And the rest of the world would say, okay, and it, it is what they say it is. We sat down with the acclaimed Nigerian music video director, Clarence Peters, in an upstairs room of his home studio in Ikeja. Clarence feels that the new generation, led by WizKid, actually on the right track. These boys aren't trying to do anything else. They're trying to be themselves. They're trying to be from here. And I've been saying this for the past 15 years. It's just inevitable. If our music and our brands are exportable, hell yeah. Clarence was taking a break from a video shoot with the alternative artist Bez and Yemi Aladdin. Let me describe the scene here. Clarence's studio in Ikeja has been transformed into an old-school club with sparkling chandeliers and dim lights. And you have Yemi in a golden white dress and she's dancing behind a shimmering beaded curtain. Clarence moves quickly around the room with the camera on his shoulder and between takes he shouts directions to an assistant controlling the lights from a side room. We are on set right now. She's in the video for a song that I was featured on by the amazing Bears. And we are here, she's in the video with Clarence Peters. So he's directed a lot of my shoots from Ferrari to ETC. He's amongst the very good um, directors in Nigeria. In fact, in Africa, let's be, you know, all out there. Clarence Peters is the son of legendary Juju musician Shino Peters and the actress Clarion Chukura. So he grew up surrounded by music and video. His company, Capital Dream Pictures, is one of the most established production companies in Nigeria. His working philosophy, music videos are less about making art and more for selling brands. It's, it's, a, it's a tool, it's a marketing tool. Right? Music videos would be the primary place to actually sell your brand. Music is one thing listen to a song and really like the song but like a brand right you need to be able to see the brand music videos are 70 80 percent responsible for selling the brand it's the total package i think so far nigeria has somehow been the one setting the pace in terms of quality videos and image and how well you package your social media, whatever, because it's very important. The whole world is looking in, and the, 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 the crazy part is that there's a possibility that only 5% of your fans in the entire world will ever meet you. So the only way they can get to see you is on social media and on TV and all that. So I don't think that is something to, you know, play with. If you want it, you go spend it to chop 
According to Clarence, Visual Media is also responsible for promoting Nigerian Afrobeats as a national rather than an ethnic-based music. In Nigeria, where you have uh, over 500 languages spoken in different dialects, language itself carries a lot of historical and cultural weight, and therefore attitudes towards indigenous languages in pop music have changed over the years. Here's Tubaba. There was one time, if you sing in your dialect, they look at you like bush. There's this stigma, local, you know this mentality of, of Africans in general. Somehow, our brains have been so f***ed with that we tend to give priority to foreign stuff than our own stuff. So we look down on our stuff. So when we started doing songs in our language, many young guys started embracing that fact. They started embracing it, they started realizing, that, oh, okay, you can actually be a graduate, you can actually live in UK, but sing in your language comfortably. At the start of our program, we heard Clarence Peters link Afrobeats to Fuji and Juju music. And he's not alone. You know, some of the people that are presenting Afrobeat now, they are Fuji musicians. Fuji whiskey. It's a Fuji musician. It's a Fuji musician. Mm. Then this uh, guy, ever me pay a meal, I mean, he's a Fuji musician. Why do you say so? Because of the way they sing and the lyrics, their attitude. They will say they are playing Afrobeat, but they are Fuji. If you put them inside a Fuji band, they will perform well. Only the difference is the beat. For non-Nigerians like our producer Morgan, who we just heard asking the question, the indigenous roots of Afrobeats may not be so obvious. It has a lot to do with how the artists use the language. And it's also important to note that all these artists Kenny mentioned are actually Yoruba, and Fuji music has its roots in traditional Yoruba music. The people that are not Fuji musicians, Tubaba is not a Fuji musician. It's not. He's actually from Jos in Benue State of the minority Idoma ethnic group. This song, Ocho, which is sung in Idoma, is from his second album, Grass to Grace. Some songs were strictly mainly English all the way. Some were in our language, but majority of the songs were in Pidgin English. Because that's the language that all Nigerians understand, you know. Every Nigerian knows how to speak Pidgin English, you know, except the really, really, really ones that have refused to. <laughs> hey, you know. As it was for high life music, Pidgin English is the most commonly used language in Afrobeats. Though many artists also sing in the indigenous tongue as well. You know, when, when you speak your language in your song, you can really be original. Uh, my name is Flavor. My real name is Chinedu Okoli. I'm from Nigeria. And more specifically from Enugu in southeastern Nigeria, Flavor came to the national scene in 2005. At that time, it was difficult because whenever you speak that language, it could block so many things. Somebody don't even want to hear anymore. So for me, when I was coming out, it was a big barrier for me. You see, language is intimately connected to larger political and cultural struggles back in Nigeria. Flavor is Igbo, so crossing over to win Yoruba fans, in a way, meant cutting through half a century of tension and bad blood left over from the Nigerian civil war. You know, Nigerians sometimes can be tribalistic. There's no two way about it. But now all that has changed because of what? Music, we keep firing it keep firing it. One day was a time nobody cared about what you were saying again. The sound now was all that mattered. Flavor has consistently and proudly represented his heritage, singing in Igbo and drawing heavily on the culture on many of his songs like Ada Ada. Today, Flavor is just one of many Igbo artists on the scene, including Bracket, P-Square and Timaya. And more recently, you have Fino, a rapper who proudly represents his Igbo heritage and is wildly popular in Lagos. Flavor 
This brings us back to visual branding. Social media and music videos, right, are the two primary tools that have made it a lot easier now for them to actually prove. I mean, look, you're represents listening to Fino's music. Doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. Kicks the hook that he likes in it and is vibing to the rest of the song. It sounds cool. Ask his boyfriend, what did he say there? Well, that's what it meant there. That's all I need to know. One or two phrases, he's my guy. So Fino walks around in Lagos and it's been mobbed now. You think, okay, yeah, maybe. Ah, Lamy, they can't do that in the East. F no! Lamy, they, first time I went to go and shoot, shoot, connect. They literally wanted to mob um, the in the East. This fusion with Olamide and, uh, and Fino, I was there when it was being created. I literally was part of the creation of it. No one ever thought it could do that. All right, but social media is actually, and the videos, just the imagery of the brands, right, has been able to make that a lot easier. According to clients, just sharing the hardship of life in Nigeria has also brought Yoruba and Igbo people closer together. The need to survive has made everyone be able to tolerate themselves. And from tolerance, it's moved to starting to like certain parts of each other's cultures, right? And into intermarrying and all those other things. And that we're a lot closer as a people, ironically, now than we were 20 years ago. And of course, let's not forget the influence of religion. Because church is the first place where you are singing, doing praise and worship in Igbo. And or there's an Igbo song going on and Yoruba are singing it word for word. And they're having to learn what the lines mean, right? And vice versa. Church is a huge, about 50% of how we became intertwined and just affects the way we consume music and, our, and the brands. Church is also the first place many artists got their start. Flavor, for instance. So my mom, I first thought it was all about church that I was going. So she was so like into it. She would be telling me, you know, I love the way you're going all the time. She didn't even know it was the music I was going for. You know, more of the music. Even more than the artists themselves, many Nigerian producers get their start in churches. Basically, yeah, my dad is a pastor, so I grew up in the church environment. That's Young John, one of the most sought-after producers in Lagos. I was always playing the drums, the keyboard, and started learning the guitar and stuff like that. So, like, I didn't know how, but I always knew music would be, would be a vital part of my life. Ade Bantu estimated that half the producers in Nigerian music scene got their start in church. A lot of people are fascinated by Nigerian rhythms, you know, in, in popular music. And it comes from the deep roots that most of these producers have in Nigerian churches. So, and a lot of the singing, even the arrangements and, and some church melodies are being like readapted and rephrased, you know, for popular songs, you know. We've heard a lot about what it takes to make it as an artist. But what about the producers themselves, who actually create the music, shaping the sounds of Afrobeats? We spoke with three very different producers, Young John, Kobam Zasukwo, and Icon, and they all stress the same thing. Production is not just about making beats. Production is the whole process of the music creation. So as a music producer, I, I, I see myself as the guy who brings it all together in the studio um, from conceptualizing, you know, writing the song sometimes, um, coordinating instrumentalists, being one of them myself, directing vocals and expression and dealing with the specifics of mixing and mastering, just driving that whole process from start to finish of, of putting a good song together. I will always say this and until I die, if you are going to give credit for a song, the producer should easily get like 65%, easily. is the one that studies the sounds, is the one that, you know, thinks about the direction, thinks about the market, thinks about what the country is listening to and how, you know, you can slightly change it and make it seem different, but not really, but the people will still love it. It is the, it's the producers that have these things. We think about these things, you know, so an artist comes and then we just try and mold whatever that artist is trying to say into this sound and then it becomes a hit record. 
While Icon works more in the alternative side of the industry, Young John is signed to Olamide's label, YBNL, so he works closely with Badu as he's known. So what's the process of working on an Olamide song? So we're all in the studio. It was really late at night, so everybody was went to sleep. But I don't really sleep. I, I barely sleep. So I was awake. I decided to go in the studio and I was making an instrumental. Then as I was almost done with it, Badu just came down and said it was like dope, man. It feels like you just vibe on it. Then we recorded the jam. Then I went outside for a bit. Then by the time I came back inside, man, I was hearing dope shit. <laughs> he put out the song that week and that song was like the biggest song last year. That's, I think that's my biggest song ever. Shaq's Forever was massive. Another thing these producers agree on, to make money as a producer, you have to have your business in order. As a producer, you have to know how it works. And I have, I have my lawyer, I have my manager that I work with, so like I have paperwork. So every time, every song I do, there's paperwork for every song I do. It's documented and everything. So that's the way I make money because most producers in Africa, are, I don't want to use the word robbed, take this chicken change. And before you know, the song is like going to be like the biggest song in a couple of months and the producer is just in some small studio there. You understand? And the artist is like everywhere, so. Nigerian Afrobeat artists are often criticized for the lyrical content of their songs. Common themes include getting money, partying, sex, love, and getting more money. Hey, hey, hey. Now I'm giving my testimony. Oh, I'm killing the beat and I'm giving them heat. Oh. Hey, while some people see this as a sign of superficiality in the music, the theme of money, for example, is actually very deep, even spiritual for some. Somebody out there is praying for money, you know, and what they want to say is what you say in the lyrics, you know. The artist, Black Magic. And we're very, very um, spiritual like that. We're only spiritual towards money. We're very spiritual. We believe that God, you wake up one day and a bag of money will just be in your house. Amen. Glory. My God is not a poor God. We don't serve a poor God in Nigeria. God is, is a rich God. We're hearing the artist Vector with Adura. Adura is pretty much the average hustler's um, prayer. He wakes up in the morning and goes, yo, I've woken up right now, my prayers better be answered. My life needs to be better than this because you can't compare the Rolls Royce to the Akura, right? Meaning I need a whole lot of money. Like that's a long life as well, but then again, everybody wants money to be able to fend for their families and be better because that's one thing that can get you out there, education or hustle, get the money. Clarence Peters? We are an escapist society. Have you looked at the poverty line? We are an escapist society. What else do you want them to think about? They think about their dreams and their aspirations. Their dreams and aspirations is not to be poor. They would like to say they're prophesying it into their lives. All right, that's what they'll think about. When the poverty line goes above that and the three square meals are guaranteed, all right, then Nigerians will start to get tired of it and start to think about something else. And that's, a, that's not just a Nigerian condition, that's a black condition. That's why we're able to infect the rest of, of Africa. I sing about money because I like money. I love money. Everybody loves money. Everybody sings about money. That's Yanya with his 2011 hits, Kukere. Even the first song I sang and I went, oh, I get money, I had nothing. So, but today, by God's grace, you know, we're, we're, we're comfortable, you get what I'm trying to say. But as you might imagine, some artists are posturing or projecting, according to Yemi Aladi, 
a lot of people are just singing all that um, based from fiction. It's all fictional most times. Sometimes some people don't have as much as they claim to have. But nah, it's a topic I lightly touch if I ever do. But at least one artist, Davido, is not faking it. His father, Adedi Jadeleke, is a well-known billionaire. Well, maybe Naira. And Davido has based his brand around being a rich kid. His debut album was called Omo Babao Lobo. <laughs> That's son of a rich man in Yoruba. If his father, his father has is rich, right? He's been able to take that brand and spin it, which is a, was ingenious. It works. Other people have said I'm from the gutter, and I started from the bottom. And now I'm here, and that works too. It's still working now, right? Everyone wants a made story, whether you're rich or you're poor. A made story is sexy, across board, right? To so make a I'm rich and I made it by myself story, that's harder. It'll always be harder. David's story is a success story in through and through any how you decide to look at it. David deserves every single thing that he's gotten because that boy is a hard worker. If I tell you, say I love you, oh my money, my body, now your own, oh baby. Party billion for the account, oh Versace and Gucci for your body, oh baby. Given the speed with which the industry has grown, there's so many artists, more than ever, competing for the attention of fans and for the money and fame that comes with it. So many artists imitate whatever trend is hot. But in recent years, a number of artists with alternative styles have cut through the noise to reach mainstream audiences. Hey guys, my name is Adekunle Gold. You like me and your girlfriend likes me. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> like Adekunle Gold. Adekunle Gold calls his sound urban high life. Pop with more than a bit of Yoruba, Juju and high life in it. So uh, I've always said to people, yeah, you don't need to run to go to, to mainstream. Let mainstream come to you. And that's basically what God has done for me. So yeah, um, I started the sound and then people started, uh, people started um, turning to my sound. They really like it and then somehow it's cutting everywhere. Like I perform like almost everywhere as the other artists. So and that feels good. Yeah. Before he reached fame as a singer, Adekunle Gold became internet famous as the king of Photoshop, editing himself into photos with celebrities from Nicki Minaj to One Direction. In fact, his breakout hit Shade was a One Direction cover. The song caught Olamide's ear and he signed Adekunle to his label. We're hearing Adekunle Gold rehearsing with a live band, led by Kobam Zasuko, one of the most renowned Nigerian producers, especially for so-called alternative music. I mean, alternative is relative. It's interesting how we consume music in Nigeria. So right now, it's it's all about Afro beats, but um, there's a silent majority that laps up this organic sounding music. Speaking of organic sounding music, there's been a trend in recent years towards bringing back live bands to the Afrobeat scene. We're hearing the artist LAX, who's signed to WizKid's Starboy label, live at Industry Night. I feel like it's about time. I feel like there's a renaissance of sorts. As the industry grows, people begin to realize and appreciate the value of live music in this space. So I think it's only going to grow bigger. And, you know, I'll just encourage artists to jump on it now and grow with it. And, you know, just let's give it life. Nigerian music now more than ever has gone global. And a lot of hopes and dreams are riding on this Afrobeats music. 
the world is definitely watching. I think that the world is definitely listening. You know, we sort of have center stage and everyone's looking to see how we will handle this moment. This, in many ways, feels like our moment. And I think because it's our moment, we have to make very intelligent, very sensible decisions, both from an economic standpoint and from an artistic standpoint as well, so that we can build the right foundation. Because if we don't, then as fantastic as this time is, you know, we might just be setting it up to crumble before our very eyes. We hope not. And on that note, we'll leave you with some special perspective from Tubaba. I'm part of the beginning of this movement. I'm part of the spark, the fire. We light the whole, we ignite everything so now. For me, I feel very, 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 very happy. Like, look at this thing we started like magic. Look at where it is today. You know, we still have a long way to go, but at least so far we've been moving in a good direction. I'm proud of many of these young guys. I'm proud of the way they, they have been handling themselves and, and doing their business. The future is looking bright for Nigerian music. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today's program. We met so many incredible people in Lagos, and there's so many important themes to unpack. So be sure to visit Afropop Worldwide to read more about Afrobeats, listen to playlists, and read full interviews with Clarence Peters, Tubaba, and more. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and PRI, Public Radio International, affiliate stations around the US, and thank you for supporting your public radio station. Special thanks to Kazim Akinpelu and Joe Olani for always going the extra mile. Thanks to Nene Miwebuke, Kunle Ade, Kate Hallett, Buki Sawyer, Sheridan Booker, Ade Bantu Agbero International, and everyone who shared the time, knowledge, and connection with us. Visit afropop.org for interviews, playlists, and more. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at afropopww. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research production for this program carried out by Morgan Greenstreet. Join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer and co-producer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Stephanie LeBeau. Bannon Air and CC Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our producer for new media is Akonefa Achia. And I'm Shiji. Smart team, oh. everybody know the truth, though. And everybody get plan, no. Oh. Tonight's the night, make we execute them. Oh. And as you get fire, like that, make them see you, make them look on the start of the PRI, Public Radio International.